the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. George Brocker back with you here. Final hour of the Hump Day show right here on 710 KNUS. As you know, there is a huge competitive congressional race going on uh, right where I live. I'm in Douglas County, been there forever. Uh, It is the 4th Congressional District seat being vacated by Ken Buck. We've spoken over the course of the last couple few weeks with uh, several candidates, including Lauren Boebert. We had um, Holtorf in here, Richard Holtorf. We had Jerry Sonnenberg on the phone. Well, we're bringing up another one, a complete stranger to 710 listeners. There's no chance you will ever recognize the voice of our next guest, but her name is Deborah Flora. (laughs) Deb, how are you doing? I'm doing great, George. So great. Wonderful to talk to all the wonderful listeners of 710 KNUS. I miss talking to them on my daily show, but it is sure good to be seeing them out in the field as we're traveling all over this district. Well, and I think folks ought to know that um, being on the radio and being a candidate for a partisan race are incompatible. So you you can't do both, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, that's one of those things where it's yes. not like Deb decided, hey, I, I just hate the radio. It was, you can't do one and do the other at the same time. You had to go. That's a, that's exactly right. When Ken Buck announced his retirement on November 1st, uh, that was my last day of doing my program because we announced our campaign on November 2nd. And there are FCC, FEC rules. Otherwise, I would love to continue uh, what we do and what I did as the director of public policy also at Salem, which is really helping galvanize the great listeners, inform them, equip them, and, and really stand up against the uh, the crazy policies coming out of the dome under Denver. You know, while I was there, we were able to stop injection sites, but they're trying to get across the finish line again. We're able to obviously go down to the border. George and I, you and I did that earlier last year. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's been a wonderful opportunity. I so believe in it. But now I'm ready to take that fight uh, from the school board of the state house, so to speak, and take it to Congress now. Now, listen, I think folks think they know you when they listen to 710 because they listen to you every day and you talk about stuff and little pieces of your life filter into some of the topics and the conversations and Mm -hmm. interviews. But do us a favor. Just pretend for a moment that we have listeners out there who are like, I think I know Deb, but I really don't know her background. Tell us about how you got to hear from there. Yeah, you got it. Absolutely. Well, I grew up in Colorado on Lowry Air Force Base. I share the story of how that was like growing up in the lap of liberty there in Aurora. Went to the Soviet Union when I was traveling with Youth for Christ International as a young woman. And that was the moment that I realized I didn't know freedom until I saw the palpable absence of freedom, which I did. And what I realized then is just like my father, who was willing to go to Vietnam, my husband, who I'd not met yet, who's an 82nd Airborne veteran, my brother, my brother-in-law, my sister, 
father-in-law, I was willing to fight when that day would come to our country when we'd see the erosion of the freedoms that are so unique, really, in the course of human history. And that day's today. But I've already been finding a long time before that I founded Parents United America when I realized that parents were being shut out of the conversation, even right in my own home school district of Cherry Creek, parents aren't being notified about a lot of things, including transitioning for as young as 12 years old. So I was standing up against that, helped write curriculum transparency legislation, and then ha- did the uh, documentary, Whose Children Are They?, that exposed what's going on in our school district. By the way, did you ever answer and- that question, Whose Children Are They?, you know what? One hundred percent. They they are gifted to us by God, but they do not belong to That's the right. state or the That's government. Right. Everyone knows that intrinsically. You know, so many of these issues, George, are not partisan, but they are common sense, and everybody is seeing where we're going wrong. But between that and then being on the air and being the director of public policy for Seven Ten K in U.S., I've been fighting this on every issue. Now it's really to take these solutions to to Congress and stand up there. Deb, you were an inch away from making it on to that <laughs> primary ballot for the Senate just a couple years yes. ago when you were trying to solve mm-hmm. some of the same problems out in D.C. Um, I don't know. After having gone through that experience, what's wrong with you? Now, listen, I mean, that you want to do this again. <laughs> and I, I want to say this, too. In most circumstances... When guys are talking in almost any setting, people always ask, like, hey, you know, you, you, the best part of the, the couple is is the is your wife. In, in your particular case, I still think you're awesome, but Jonathan's pretty damn cool. I mean, that guy's pretty, Keith, pretty thank awesome. Thank you. You are a smart man, George. Yeah. Yes, indeed. After 23 years of marriage, it just gets better every day. He is he's amazing. He uh He's my partner both in the films and the projects that we make in order to move the needle, the power of media. He's, uh, I would say he's six foot two on the outside, six foot two on the inside, a veteran. Um, So he is. And your first question about the U.S. Senate race, I did come just 38 votes short of advancing last election. But here's what came out of that, George, is it really reinforced my desire to serve the good people in the 4th Congressional District. One of the greatest joys was traveling all over, talking to people who are the salt of the earth, whether it's from Baca County in the south to Phillips County in the north. Obviously, now with the new redistricting, half of the electorate is in Douglas County, which is my home where I have deep roots, having helped flip our school board back to one that is answerable to parents and children and the stakeholders. Um, But it really reinforced my desire to serve. And since then, issues have just gotten worse. You know, $34 trillion of debt, which is not only unsustainable, it's immoral on the backs of our children and our grandchildren. You know, the fact that energy has been shut down for the most part, we need to become energy, net energy exporters will help drive down inflation. Our border, you and I were down there wide open. I stand 100% behind the impeachment of Mayorkas because, number one, he's just not doing his job while lying to the American people. Well, hold on. T- t- let's talk about that for just a moment, Deb, because I, yeah, yeah. I get the part about, hey, this guy sucks at his job. I- I'm sold. But what's the end game here? Let's say we get the impeachment done. There's no way the Senate's going to, by the way, vote to convict or remove. But let's pretend we could. Right. Towards what end? Like, what's the fix for him? The, the fix for him is to put someone else in his place who understands that his job as the director of Homeland Security is to protect the safety and sovereignty of our nation. But it'd be Biden um, well, we, making that pick until at least January. <laughs> yeah, but you, it, yeah, indeed. But the reality is this. You know, it is about time that there's accountability in Washington, D.C. I've talked to so many great people who have lost 
all faith in our federal government, and that's just wrong. And part of the, uh, the, the, the unique role of Congress is, number one, the power of the purse strings. I know how to say no to spending. I've, I'm a mom who handles our own home budget as well as our, as our businesses. So the power of the purse strings, the power of accountability, sitting someone in that seat under oath and holding them accountable for what are either lying about, like Mayork is saying that the border is secure. We had 10 million people come across our border in the last three years. That doubled it from the entire period before. So, yes, we've got to get a new president in the White House for sure. But if we're not doing our job holding the other branches accountable, we've gotten away from the separation of powers and the very reason why we have it set up this way. So, you know what, I will stand for the right thing even if it's going to take a while to turn this around. Um, And by the way, one other thing that's an absolutely right thing is a balanced budget amendment and single subject appropriation bills. Because let's talk about the border, for instance. In the omnibus spending bill of, uh, I believe it was December of 2022, there was money in there for Border Patrol in Yemen, but not in the United States of America. There was only more money for them to actually just process people instead of actually patrol. Um, I'm going to help hold big government accountable. And by the way, when Republicans put as much pork in those omnibus spending bills as Democrats do, we've got to have accountability on both sides of the aisle. Yeah, I agree with that. Listen, you and I and a guy named uh, Stephanie Tubbs was down. <laughs> we're down at the, at the Isn't border. Isn't that what people call them? <laughs> Online. We were down at there the border in El Paso a yes. year ago next month. And I can't believe it's been a year, but a year ago I last know. month. And things were bad then. Um, but yes. how yes. did that experience uh, impact sort of your view of this? Like, I think a lot of people can rightfully say just off the imagery they see on TV and on media and, and the Internet. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is obviously a disaster. But but we were down there up against the fence, like touching the fence and seeing talking yes. to the people coming through the, you know, the checkpoints and all this other stuff. What were mm-hmm. your takeaways there? You know, there's nothing like being there and listening firsthand to Border Patrol agents who are talking about the fact that. They've changed the rules of engagement just like they did to our military, which made their jobs untenable under Obama. They've done that under Mayorkas. And hearing about those Border Patrol agents who are heart sick because they can't actually do their job, that's number one. Number two, hearing from those who did uh, make it here after being really used and abused and left to die in the desert by the drug cartels, realizing the most compassionate thing we can do is to secure our border and get our system back under control so nobody is um, at the mercy of the drug cartels, which, by the way, we should call narco-terrorist military organizations because that's what they are. They control 60% of Mexico. They control our southern border. And we really did see how sophisticated they have become as business people, uh, hearing that they won't even sell fentanyl in their own neighborhoods because they know it's a poison, but sure, you know, can't wait to get up across, you know, the border into our communities. And I think, you know, hearing even before Christopher Ray, the FBI director, was forced to admit last september that 169 people on the terror watch list were captured and those are just the ones that are captured right like those are the dim terrorists not the smart ones yeah (laughs) there you go not the godaways the ones who are you know what who as you said who got caught 
you know, we already knew that. We were talking to Border Patrol in El Paso, in Deming, New Mexico, in Columbus, yeah, right. New Mexico, who were telling us, we, I said, who's really coming over? They said 90% adult single males, and most of them, they said, this is quoting them, are coming from the stands. Afghanistan, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, all of these places, Russia and China. We already knew that. So one of the things it showed me is that uh, we already knew that Biden and his administration were hiding the facts and that it was already dangerous. So when you think about right here in Denver, 40,000 illegal immigrants are here. We don't actually 40, even know 000. who's here. 40,000. Yeah, we're, we don't even know who is here in our country or ta- our state. We're talking with Deb Flora. She used to do some stuff on a radio station somewhere, and now she's running <laughs> for the 4th Congressional District. Um, one of the, I got a chance to see you and Jerry and the rest of all the candidates. Well, not all the candidates, yes. but almost all the candidates. Last Thursday up at Fort Lupton. That's not in Douglas County. That's that's not you mm-hmm. know where you live. But it's uh, up there in a, it's a giant jurisdiction. I mean, it's maybe smaller in square mileage than the third, but that's one of the largest congressional districts in this region of the country. Kind of a big deal. Yes, it is. But you were up there. You're on the stage with all these other people. And first off, what were your takeaways from that event? You know, I think the takeaways are really that, uh, you know, a lot of us will have the same policy descriptions. What's going to come down to is people really knowing how uh, clear of a plan folks have. We released my plan that has very specifically spelled out solutions because we can all talk about the problem. What are the solutions? And anyone can see that at DebraFlora.com. It's the roadmap to restoring America. And a lot of people don't want to put down what they are planning to do because then they're held accountable. I want to be held accountable because these are the things I am committed to. And those voters in the fourth, they're hiring someone. So I have put out a very clear plan. And so whenever we have these forums, you may hear some of the same comments or the same pointing to the problems, but really it's time for new leadership. And uh, as you know, I am not a career politician, but it's time for new leadership that have big, bold ideas instead of business as usual. So we put out our plan and announced it um, that night and released it on Monday so people can see that at DebraFlora.com. It's the roadmap to restoring America. Spell the Deborah part because I've seen it two ways. How do you spell it for the website? Yes. You know what? It's the old fashioned biblical way D E B O R A H, DebraFlora.com. It's got some cheering in there, like rah, 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 right? <laughs> it does. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Feel free to cheer anytime, George. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> let, let me talk to you about that setting, too, um, up there. You did well. I mean, for a place that wasn't Thank your you. backyard, you, you did well. Tell folks how it turned out and what were your what was your takeaway from that? Oh, absolutely. We felt very good about it. We came in third in the straw poll out of nine candidates. And as you mentioned, you're the first two, um, Jerry and Mike, both live in that area and, you know, had a lot of supporters in the room. We just brought, you know, about three people with us because I always look at those forums as a place where those who are local – out, uh, you know, can hear and can make their decisions. We'll be having them all over this fourth congressional district. But coming in third when it wasn't even our neighborhood, you know, absolutely felt like a very big win. And the first opportunity that people will have to learn about, you know, the, the real plan that I've spent a lot of time looking at over many years, studying our Constitution, the Federalist Papers, the problems, the solutions. And so we felt very good about that. Deb, one of the things that I asked there at that setting was premised on the idea that, you know, when you're pro-life, you've been battling Roe versus Wade for 50 years, you know, uh, right. just under 50 years. And and a lot of it for conservatives had been things like, this is not 
a issue for the Supreme Court. This is not a federal issue. This should be something that the states deal with. Well, then all of a sudden Dobbs happens and the world goes crazy. Mm -hmm. And now there's talk about should Congress get involved in federal legislation that would ban or limit abortion? What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. What I shared is I served actually on CareNet, the national board that supports pregnancy resource centers. So one of my first focuses, George, has always been on supporting women in crisis, making sure they have real choices, not just, you know, uh, forced into an abortion they may or may not want, but real choices. So that's where we need to start is compassion on that front. Um, as far as, you know, return of Roe v. Wade, you know, they basically said, even Ruth Bader Ginsburg said it was a poorly decided decision. So they basically said it is not something where federally it should be mandated. When it comes to the role of Congress, you know, there are places where there's common sense things that we can all look at. Prior to the overturn of Roe v. Wade, there were things like a partial birth abortion ban or the Born Alive Act. Those are simply things that say, you know what, if we're a civilized society, we cannot have children being left to die after surviving abortion. That is just not who we are as Americans. So I think there are some areas that we all can come together and agree on, and that's already been something that has happened. And, you know, the reality is right here in Colorado, abortion is legal up until the moment of birth. So the biggest issue, because it's a complex issue, is for neighbors to talk to neighbors and let them know that's the situation here. Because even 66% of Democrats are against that. I think you misread the, the law. It's actually legal up through kindergarten. I think you can just change your oh, mind yes. after, after they've well, gotten out of diapers that, and you're like, no, nah, never mind. Yeah, just slightly more barbaric. I mean, yeah. there is actually something, by the way, in California where they have postnatal care. The doctor cannot Good interfere with meaning Lord. after birth. Good Lord. It, this, is, this is really a moment for us to look at ourselves as a country and just say, how can we call ourselves civilized if, if we're for that? And when we have those conversations and we talk about how it's the Democrats who are extreme on this – then we can begin to turn this around to a culture of life. If just to drill down on that, because you said a lot of good things in there, but just so that I know, because I'm simple, federal law makes its way through a bill. Do you sign on to this thing? Do you vote for that to a federal answer to the abortion thing? Or do you say, I really think even though my state is so jacked up on this, I do think this is a state thing. I think it depends on what it is, and I think there's an ability to move the Overton window that is in line with the vast majority of Americans who believe the extreme abortion policy does not reflect who we are in valuing life, and we can do that while supporting women. Um, you know, that is part of it. A woman should never be criminalized, and so we have to be very careful about this. So it kind of depends on what it, what the what the bill is, what the situation is. Like I said, there was already a partial birth abortion ban, which I would have voted for and I would have sponsored. Now, uh, Deb, at this event that we were at up in Fort Lupton, I gave every candidate an opportunity to ask a question of another candidate. And you asked a mm-hmm. question of probably the biggest name for the moment in the race, and that's Lauren Boebert. And your question was, mm-hmm. why am I better than you? And I thought that was fascinating. <laughs> That, no, I, you didn't ask that. That was not your question, although that would be an that that would be not an awesome my question. Yeah, no, no. Talk about what your question was and how you think it impacts this race, the answer to it. Yeah, it, you know, I'm not for gotcha questions, and, and I believe that um, most people don't want to 
want to see us attacking one another. There are so many other extreme positions and, you know, really we're standing up on a lot of the same principles. However, I do believe in holding people according to their own words. So I simply mentioned to Lauren Boebert a quote that she made last election cycle, basically to the effect that Carrie Donovan, who did not live in CD3, who was going to run for CD3, Lauren Boebert basically said, uh, why don't you focus on where you live and representing the people you know instead of moving into a district where you have no roots? Now, that's a paraphrase, you know, yeah. obviously, but that was the gist of it. And so I think it was a very fair question because that's the question people are asking Lauren right now. And we have representative government. That means if you're going to be held accountable, it should be someplace where you have deep roots, where you know people. I have been fighting in Douglas County and have been traveling all over the 4th Congressional District for years getting to know folks. There's a different, and one district is not interchangeable with another. So that's what I asked, simply quoting her own take, which is one I agree with from two years ago. We uh, also have this weird thing, and it's just for the House of Representatives, only for the House of Representatives. It's a throwback to centuries ago where you don't even have to live in the district yeah. you represent. Um, I, I don't <laughs> right. know. I, th- I think it can only be updated by uh, amending the Constitution, but that's what creates a situation that can lead to decisions like this, even though I think she's moving mm-hmm. here. And correct me if I'm wrong, did she say she was moving into Weld, or had she decided yet where she was moving? I can't remember. I, I believe that's what she said. And here's the situation. I think that that was because sometimes there's redistricting like happened in the 4th, and maybe someone is you know, two streets over right, or right, right. To- totally maybe different, one, totally a different. neighborhood over, completely different. But the reality is when you're moving from one side of the Rocky Mountains to another, um, and that is an issue because I really do believe the biggest problem we have in D.C. and how people become a part of the swamp instead of draining it is when you are no longer uh, connected and accountable to the people you're representing. As I said at the very beginning, the people in CD4, they're hiring someone to represent them. They're hiring someone who will be accountable. My commitment to the voters in CD4 is I will be very present because this is my home. This is where I have deep roots. This is where I've been listening and talking to people for years. And I will come home. I will be with my neighbors. You know, come home on a Thursday night after we make votes, go back on Monday morning, and I will be all over this district listening to people, answering to them, talking with them about the issues. But I just think that we run a huge risk of what we already have, out-of-touch career politicians who make moves because they want to stay in a position instead of truly and authentically representing the people that are their neighbors. That's how we break this lack of accountability. One of the texts we've gotten here while you're talking, love Deb Flora, that's who I would have liked to see on the ballot in the last congressional race. I think Mm -hmm. they mean Senate instead of the battle between uh, Ron Hanks and Joe O'Day. And that gets me to a great question, and that is how are you going to access the ballot this time? Of the options, straight assembly, straight petition, or that, uh, as Jerry described it earlier, that sort of uh, assembly with the insurance built-in thing, you and I know, had you been able or or (laughs) interested in petitioning last time, you would have been on that ballot. And i got to be honest. Yes. I'm not sure how it turns out with you on there. It completely changes the dynamic of that primary. Having gotten so freaking close that time, have you made a decision what you're going to do for CD4 where there's 300 people running for this office? (laughs) Oh, gosh, there's a a 290 some. They're (laughs) waiting. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, you know what? Here's what I've realized. Traveling all over the 4th Congressional District and talking to folks. First of all, I'm grassroots. I have been, you know, I've been literally in communities and showing our documentary, Whose Children Are They Helping Flip School Boards, all over the 4th Congressional District. So I appreciate the caucus system. Our plan at the moment is to do the hybrid system, which is both the petitioning and the caucus. And the reason why is that actually allows more voters to have their their vote uh, their voice heard in the process. When you get petitions and it's about fifteen hundred petitions, that's fifteen hundred more signatures representing citizens who want to see you on the ballot. They have their voice heard as well as the caucus system. And yes, you're right. You know what happened last time? It just started three hours late, and I had one hundred fifty. Oh my God, you're right. With my yard sign. You're right. You're right. Yeah, that, they, I, I think people yeah. until I, until you said it, Deb, I'd forgotten that there was yes. something that took place that delayed the voting or something, yes. and they put the Senate. I think because you were like the top At bill, the right? Last. Like that you yeah. they put you dead last. Oh, I remember getting into the building was bonkers. Yes. Do you remember that? Like yes. the scheme they I had do. set up, it was like trying to go see a Taylor Swift concert or something. The <laughs> lines were forever. Yeah, they were. And here's the thing. You know, this this is such an important time in our history. It is such an important time in our country that it's really too important just to leave up to what can sometimes happen with human error. Just human error that the Senate vote when I came 38 votes short last election was the very last of the day. We started three hours late. I had about 150 people leave with my yard signs going, thinking that I would absolutely, you know, be on the ballot. I don't blame them. It was human error. But the reality is this is a very important time. Plus, the hybrid system just allows more citizens to have their voices heard all over this very large district. Deb, share with everybody your website again. How can they figure out where you're going to be and they can learn more about you, support you, all that stuff? You got it. Thank you so much, George. DeborahFlora.com, D-E-B-O-R-A-H, DeborahFlora.com. And I really do invite people to go there and to see the roadmap to restoring America. I've been very clear about the big, bold, fresh ideas I'm going to be bringing to Congress instead of business as usual. And I look forward to seeing folks all over this great district. Now, that's Deb Flora. You cannot hear her from 3 to 4 o'clock anymore on this radio station. You're going to have to go check her out at one of those events. I know I'm going to run into you and Jonathan out there in Douglas County, Deb. Thanks for joining us. You got it. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, George. And, and once again, so great to talk to all the wonderful listeners on 710 KNUS. I miss you, but look forward to seeing you on the campaign trail. Awesome. Hey, thanks. That's Deb Flora. Uh, listen, someone texted on that congressional thing, and I said Senate, and they're like, Senate is part of Congress. You are correct, texter. texter. Senate is part of Congress. So many people use Congress interchangeably for the House. I probably made that presumption with you, and I shouldn't have. See, look at that. This is like Apology Day. A hump day is Apology Day right here on the George Show on 710 KUS. One thing I'm not going to apologize for is the opportunity I'm about to extend to you, if you're a dude, to reclaim... Yep, to reclaim that last cough. There's a cough button here. Didn't even think to touch it. Just coughed right into the microphone. That's called professionalism. Listen, if you're a a guy out there and you're dealing with the thinning hair, the patchy hair, the, oh my God, what's happened to my forehead? It seems to be kicking the crap out of my follicles. Do not panic. Don't just go to buying a bunch of hats like I'm wearing right now and Billy's wearing right now. Instead, call up Dr. Tanya Pauls. She and the advanced hair restoration folks have for years now been turning dudes' lives around through the simple, outpatient, stress-free, in-and-out technique of hair restoration. They use your hair. They get your hair to start growing the very next day. You start looking in the mirror, and you see that dude that you were looking at 10, 15, 20 years ago. 
imagine how good you feel, the spring in your step, sort of that extra thing you have going for you that you thought, man, that's in the rearview mirror now. It makes me look so old. For me, I have the dang hair. It's just turned gray. Apparently, Dr. Tanya Pulse can't fix that part. But if you got the thinning, balding hair, she can help fix that. Give her a call at 720-459-HAIR, 720-459-HAIR. You can also check them out at Advanced Hair, that's Advanced Past Tense, advancedhair.com. When you call them up today, by the way, $250 off plus 250 free hair grafts to start the the process. There's no good reason to not have that phone call today. Hey, listen, when we come back, I'd love to get your texts, your calls. What did you hear there? What are your thoughts on this particular congressional race and the immigration piece? Every candidate has to have an answer. What did you think about Debs and Jerry's before her? George Brockler, 710, KNUS. Little Prince right here on 710 KNUS driving around the other day with grandma. Just that topic before we get to some of the conversation that we've been having on immigration and stuff like that. Graham's got some songs. He looked up a playlist, I think on Apple Music or Amazon something, and it was 80s hits. And he's scrolling through it and he turns to me and he goes, Dad, what's Purple Rain? And I go, oh, my goodness. I'm like, well... We should probably plug that bad boy in and have a conversation about it. You know, it's just such a, I don't know. It's like you get any of those questions and uh, I'm thrilled. And then he asked me, how did you get us to like the rock and roll music and all that other stuff? And I'm like, I don't know that I did anything special. I just listened to the stuff that I grew up with. And anyway, so that that's our reference to Prince. Because if you were on the YouTubes, by the way, or um, listening to the podcast, I, I don't think you got to hear that. But that was Prince on there as well. Now, my thanks to Deb Flora. She is a candidate for CD4. One of a bunch, right? Like, And we've had four on already. We had Richard Holtorf in studio, Jerry Sonnenberg on the phone. Of course, we've had Lauren Boebert on many, many times, both, to, both as the CD3 rep and candidate for CD4. We've had Deb. I'd like to get... Um, I'd like to get Ted Harvey on. I'd love to get Peter Yu on. There's obviously some folks I'm forgetting about I'd like to get on. Uh, of course, I'd love to have Justin Schreiber on, mostly for entertainment. I don't I don't know. I just, the, the guy, especially having heard that he, he wants to send me some sort of cease and desist letter, I... I don't know. We still have a constitution. It feels like it's under siege all the time. But that First Amendment, pretty damn strong, pretty good when it comes to the case law and stuff like that. Hey, listen, uh, let's talk about the immigration piece. You heard Deb's take on it. You heard um, Jerry talk about it. Both of them seem to be in support of the impeachment of uh, Alexander Mayorkas, who is the current secretary of Homeland Security. But, you know, that it was interesting when Deb answered the question well, what's the point? Like, what are we going to get next? She's like, well, then we can get someone in place who will actually follow and enforce the law and all that other stuff. Well, until we replace the president, you're just giving Biden another chance to put someone in that position. But then the second part of what Deb said, I thought was a better answer for me. And that was, hey, uh, it's about accountability. And I thought, okay, accountability is part of it. I don't know that impeachment is that vehicle. Right. Like the vehicle for someone doing a poor job in the private sector should be firing them in government. It's a promotion. 
But uh, I think that this is something that you heard Ken Buck say, like, listen, being incompetent is not an impeachable offense. It's pretty clear what what are impeachable offenses. I'm going to vote to impeach someone. They got to have earned it, you know, and I'll be right there. But Biden should be the one wearing the results of this catastrophe. And so it feels to me like that effort to impeach is serving a political purpose. One, it keeps this issue front and center, and it highlights it in a way that it sounds like this is about a failure, this is about the fa- Okay, I get that, the politics piece. Meanwhile, these folks are doing nothing about nothing, right? Like the only thing I've heard attempting to be done about immigration is this bipartisan effort in the Senate. It is far and away from what I would have in place if if I were king for a day or dictator in my first day of my presidency, as Trump claims he'll do. Um, I I would do something completely not not completely different, but much more robust. And I think I would do this thing we talked about in the six or seven o'clock hour. And that is I would try to get the law changed to make it that you have to claim asylum at a U.S. consulate, not at the border. At a U.S. consulate that would pull all those asylum seekers away. Now, chances are it would convert a lot of those asylum seekers to just illegal crossers. They would still come to the border anyway because they know that they're not going to be processed through that. And they would probably try to storm the border as they've been doing. And that's why I think it makes a ton of sense for us to have a more robust approach with the wall. But the wall is not the end all be all. If we focus on just building a wall, we are losing. That is not the the complete answer that we need we need more border patrol guards i think we need more immigration judges to process what claims exist let's try to get these folks down to 90 days but here's the other thing if we're going to start to do detentions and we could you're going to have to build a ton of facilities to detain these people during the let's say three four months that their cases are being processed a ton of facilities i'm willing to spend to protect the border believe me i'm willing to spend to protect the border we got to do something. I'm just not sure that impeaching Mayorkas is where we ought to focus. In my mind, it serves no practical purpose. In my mind, it doesn't resolve the border, and it won't fix the border. Mayorkas is in a job, presumably, for about the next 10 months. Because after Trump gets elected, he's gone the way of the dodo, right? And then you're going to have some people, as soon as I say it, some people are going to be like, he should be prosecuted. He should be prosecuted for being a traitor to the country and allowing all of these invaders armed with their children and desire to work and drugs and all these other things to treat them as soldiers crossing. I don't believe that either. But once we secure that border and once we take the pressure off the border and de-incentivize, is it D or dis? Disincentivize? Disincentivize. That's it. Disincentivize um, all the cartels and the coyotes from bringing these guys up. Then we got to figure out what we're going to do with the people that are here. And I think deportations have to be on the table. Absolutely have to be on the table for those people that should not be here. We got to be robust about it. But there's a huge number of these folks. I don't know how we get rid of them. And I've heard people say this. They're like like the, the DACA people. It's not their fault they got brought across the border. And there are some people who are like, well, too bad, so sad. It's not their fault. It's on their parents. We're just going to send them back. Are Is that really it? Is that... Is that the right answer? How about the folks that have gotten here that should have never been here? I'll admit that. They have kids. We have laws in place that recognize this birthright citizenship stuff. What do we do with them? And we even had a caller, I think, last week say, hey, give them a choice. You can stay here without your parents or you can go back with holy Sophie's choice, right? Like, is that is that really where we put these people? 
And I want to have a conversation about it because I'm not sold that there is one single right answer. I don't want these these uh, birthright citizenship kids to end up becoming exactly what they've been called pejoratively, and that is anchor babies. And that's that's the role that they play here. But what do we do with these families? What do we do with the ones that were born here? Parents are illegal. They've been here for four, five, ten years. What do you do with them? I do believe that's a secondary question to fixing the border crisis. And I do not ever want to see us link the two. Because that is, again, that's like trying to mop up the water on an overflowing tub before you turn off the spigot. That's just stupid. That's never going to get you anywhere. So I I don't know the right answer to this, folks. But some of you do think... um, like I do, and some of you don't. And that's the texts that are coming in here. But I'd love to have the conversation, 303-696-1971. Texter says, Deb's lack of agriculture experience puts her at a big disadvantage in CD4. Another text, oh, man, George, do I ever agree, number one, what good do, do these impeachments do? Seems like they keep working on their job and doing the same thing. Said it so well. Also, I do think it needs to be deportation. I have a daughter-in-law came here legally, got her citizenship, and this is truly a slap in the face to her and her family. That's got to be true, too, right? Like, I've participated. I've been uh, blessed to be able to administer an oath and participate. Well, actually, you know what it was? It was during the administration of the oath. I got a chance to, on multiple occasions, go across the street from the DA's office in Arapahoe, right off of uh, Revere there. They have an immigration building. And I've got to participate and witness two or three of these naturalization ceremonies. Holy crap, man. I mean, it just brings a tear to your eye if you're an American. And then you walk outside and you think, I'm super pissed off that we have just treated these people no different than we're going to end up treating people who just simply come across the country because, gosh darn it, they're looking for a better life for their kids. I don't care. We cannot treat them the same. Your path to citizenship cannot begin with an illegal act against the country you want to be a citizen for. That just doesn't make sense. And so big picture here before I get to Spencer and others calling in, big picture here, the answer, if there's an if there's a path to legal presence here, I might have that conversation, but not citizenship. If you've broken into the country and you came here illegally, my answer is you can never ever be a citizen until you go back through the same process that all the naturalized people did. You go back through that process, okay, got to get to the back of the line, but we will never, ever make you a citizen if you broke in and uh, and never went through the process. That just can't be fair to those who went through the process. Hey, Spencer's on the phone, but let's do this. Let's cut away for a break so I can give Spencer plenty of time to have the conversation. And anyone that wants to join him at 303-696-1971, Rocky Mountain Men's Clinic, ever heard of them? My guess is if you haven't, one of your buddies has. This is a dude-related business that says to guys of a certain age that are going through that downturn in testosterone or whatever, we have an answer for you. You don't just have to learn to Garfield your way through the rest of life, eating and just sitting on the couch. If you're interested in finding that joie de vivre, that spring in your step, I want to work out more, I want to feel younger, I want to feel more... Active, if you know what I mean. These are the folks that can help you do it. All you got to do is go to RockyMountainMensClinic.com. Take their easy 10-question true-false quiz. Less than two minutes to take it. They'll let you know if they think that you're eligible for this. They do TSA or PSA, <laughs> PSA testing. That's for your prostate, of course. The T-testing. 
And then you go in and you have that initial consultation. They answer all your questions. $99 is all it costs. But guess what? If you decide to go through the treatment, and you will, they roll that cost into the cost of the treatment so it becomes a free consultation. 720-440-7900. 720-440-7900. Or visit RockyMountainMensClinic.com. That's RockyMountainMensClinic.com. When we come back, Spencer, your texts. George Brockler, 710-KNUS. George Brockler back with you here. Final segment of the show. We'll get to Spencer in just a moment. New year, new look inside that house. If you're upgrading your countertops, there's only one person to call. It's Mitch Florio with the Art of Granite. You've heard me sing Mitch's praises and the quality of his work and the customer satisfaction for, gosh, years now. Uh, There's a reason why. He's just the best at what he does. You don't have to take my word for it. You can go check the website, theartofgranite.com, theartofgranite.com. Dot com All the selection. He gives you the deals. If you're a 710 listener and you let him know that, yeah, he throws in the kitchen countertop, uh, the kitchen sink with the kitchen countertop package, or he'll throw in the bathroom countertop with the kitchen countertop package. You choose. 303-386-5919. 303-386-5919. That's Mitch Floria at the Art of Granite. Spencer from Minneapolis. You're on 710 KNUS. Hey, George. How you doing? Good, man. How's it going? That's going. Hey, I apologize. I haven't been able to catch all the show. So if I touch on stuff you've already talked about, forgive me. Sure. Um, and I can give you 45 seconds, and it's all yours. Okay. So why aren't they just enforcing the current law? Current law on asylum is far more forgiving than I ever thought it was. They don't have an option to turn them away. They do not have that so, option. Have to process them. But so everyone coming is, is claiming asylum? My God, that is the thing du jour. And all they're saying is, I'm from Venezuela, which is one of those pre-mark countries. Or I have fear. They have to process them for just the magic language. We need to change the law about the magic language. So if they're, <laughs> I mean, it, it, the, certain aspects of this new legislation it, it touches on, well, if multiple, multiple offenses, then we kind of have a six-year ban. Well, don't they already have a law in place? Where one offense is a 10-year ban? No, it's different than that. And they're talking about when they shut down the border for the asylum stuff. Spencer, do me a favor. This topic isn't going to wait. We're going to talk about it again tomorrow. Would you please call in tomorrow? And I appreciate you listening. We're just out of time. Hey, my thanks to Jerry Sonnenberg. My thanks to Deb Flora. And mostly my thanks to you. And, of course, Billy for all the other good stuff. We'll be back tomorrow. It's George Brockler, 710-KNUS. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.